I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And welcome in Late Kick on the Air. It is Thursday night, February 25th, the year of our Lord, 2021, in our secret third string backup, backup studio. I'm on the road. I'm back in Georgia again. Using the studio of one Tyler Redman. He's got his own YouTube channel, On Deck with Tyler Redman. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do one of those old-fashioned link in the show description below. Go give that young, very impressionable child a subscription. He does a really good job. A lot of Braves baseball, as you can see by the studio set up behind me. And a lot of really good stuff. Worked with him down at WLTZ back in Columbus. Long story. Don't have time for it tonight. But, yeah, give him a subscription. Why not? It's free. As far as free still? Yeah, it's free. As far as I know, it's still free. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Jam-packed show. I'm talking about quarterback battles, specifically at Michigan and Oregon, because we got a lot of stuff coming out right now as we enter spring. we got a lot of people throwing out the whole, you know, is it time? Is it time for so-and-so who hasn't taken a snap yet to be the starting quarterback? Well, we will address that. I'm also going to talk about the 2022 cycle in Texas. I don't know if you guys have looked at this. It is loaded. The recruiting cycle in Texas. It's going to be a total knife fight. It's going to be great. So the question chief among the questions on everyone's mind, at least, is what is Steve Sarkeesian going to do about this? Well, yeah, okay. Well, what is what is Jimbo going to do about it? Like, what's Gary Patterson going to do about it? We're going to talk about all that. The best recruiters in Florida, speaking of which, got a little recruiting flavor on the show tonight. Who are they? Out of all the, the Power Five and the G5 coaches in Florida, so the FBS coaches, head coaches, who are the best recruiters? Dan Mullins down there, Manny Diaz is down there, our guy Butch Davis is down there at FIAU, so I, there was a really good piece on 247sports.com yesterday or two days ago about this, and I wanted to circle back around and talk about it because they pulled all of the Florida experts, all of the regional guys that have covered or do cover that state. Really interesting. There was one guy that had a first place vote and a seventh place vote. There are only seven coaches down there, seven head coaches at the FBS level. So all that plus Dabo Swinney with some comments about the transfer portal that I'll get to. So keep in mind, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at LateKickJosh. When we get over that 13,000 barrier, we are doing an interactive show where it's going to be you, it's going to be me, it's going to be us talking live through Zoom. Could be five of you, could be 15 of you, but it's going to be a really fun video product that we do. So let's get into this tonight, and I wanted to kick it off with some of these quarterback battles as we enter spring the quarterback position is obviously talked about a lot. We talk about it a lot on our show, but there are a couple of positions right now that we've discussed, and I want to circle back because I think maybe either we were misunderstood on this show, and by we, I mean me running my mouth a whole lot, but I've really seen a lot of a lot of advanced spring work out there and a lot of talk you know, in my inbox even about spring coming, and there are some takes out there that they may end up being right. I don't know that there's a lot of basis in reality right now. So at Oregon and Michigan in particular, at Oregon, we got Ty Thompson. We've talked about him a lot. At Michigan, you got J.J. McCarthy coming in. We've talked about him a lot, obviously. Now, let's reset the scene here. Who are we talking about? We're talking about two top 50 overall prospects in the 2021 cycle. They are both coming in as true freshmen. There are a lot of similarities here between these guys. You've, you've got the top 50 ranking, like you've got 
a situation where the jobs at those respective programs look winnable, uh, both are going to get a full spring as well as summer off-season workouts and then a full fall camp to make their case. And so each one of them also, when they came in, triggered a transfer. We've seen Joe Milton very recently leave Michigan. Uh, we saw Shuck, Tyler Shuck, the guy who started for Oregon last year. We saw him leave Oregon. Now, you can't ever prove in a court of law that's what necessitated or triggered that, uh, but you get the good feeling. You get a strong sense that's what triggered that. And so there are a lot of similarities there. There's one key difference, at the very least one key difference. When you watch what's going on at Michigan, they got to win this year have to win. That's the widely held and assumed sentiment among that coaching staff. It's the assumed sentiment amongst people, even in the athletic department, you know, even as they just extended Jim Harbaugh. The extension was very cosmetic when you looked at the restructuring of the salary. It was a very obvious, okay, you're still here for now. We're Michigan. We don't make these moves hastily, but we got to get some results here because we're watching our rivals down in Columbus and they're only growing smaller in the distance as they continue to widen the gap between us. That is not the case at Oregon. Okay, Mario Cristobal is very secure there. They just won the Pac-12. They went to the Fiesta Bowl. Like They've gotten off to a great start there. They're signing or have just finished signing another top 10 class. Ty Thompson, the crown jewel of that top 10 class at the quarterback position. So I don't know that I necessarily compare these two. Broad strokes purposes, you can compare these two. But when you look at the situation right now, I mean, by right now, I mean, we're in late February as you're watching this show live or you're watching the uh, replay of this video. Can we really look around as some people have taken to doing and say, it's time for J.J. McCarthy to start at Michigan. It's time for Ty Thompson to start at Oregon, or I predict them to start. Listen, you can do a couple of things and, and both could be happening simultaneously. It's like if you predict a coin flip and you predict tails and it lands on tails, well, you ended up being right. Like your prediction was right. Did you have any inside information? Did you have any, any any intel? Well, no, you didn't because you can't have inside information on a coin flip. Now, you could have a little bit more inside information. You could give yourself a little bit more of an edge or an angle when it comes to things with variables involved, like a quarterback battle. But until you've stepped on campus, until you've taken a snap, at least in spring, by default, a lot of the intangibles and the variables that are going to go into deciding this job they have a great big N-A out next to them. Not available. It's not that there are varying degrees. It's not available. We have no clue what J.J. McCarthy looks like at Michigan. We don't know what Ty Thompson looks like yet. They haven't even started spring. Here's what's going to happen. We talked the other day on the podcast, the Late Kick Extra podcast, about the elements that go into deciding a quarterback battle. Well, that's going to start to happen in spring. But I can almost guarantee you this is also going to happen. If anyone has already assumed that McCarthy's going to be the starter at Michigan or Ty Thompson's going to be the starter at Oregon, nothing about what you hear or read or even in some cases see out of spring is going to change your mind. Because a lot of times what's happening in spring is you're just getting a lot of affirmation. You get to see guys working out in shorts. You get a lot of feedback. It's it's There's not very much full contact, good on good in spring. And so it's measurables. It's measurables. It's potential. That's a lot of what we get in spring. J.J. McCarthy is not going to disappoint there. Ty Thompson is not going to disappoint there. So you're going to come out of spring, and I can almost guarantee you, unless there are injuries involved, which we hope there won't be, there's the knock on wood, you're going to get really good reviews. Those guys are ultra-talented. You're going to get really good reviews. Then you'll go into the summer. That's the stuff you're not allowed to see, and the coaches aren't allowed to see it either. And we'll start to see what kind of chemistry is formed. Then we'll get into the fall, 
And that's where the job ultimately has to be won. By that time, you will have already started to assume things. Coaches will have already started to assume things. But that's where the whole element and process of winning the job comes into the equation. How do you win a job? Doesn't really matter. Well, it's not a primary concern what the coaching staff thinks. That's not the end-all be-all. It is because those are the people making the decision. The team has got to let you know who wins that quarterback battle. That's where J.J. McCarthy will decide this thing. That's where Ty Thompson will ultimately decide this thing. It may be that we go into week one and it's not settled. It may be that the first week of fall camp is all it takes to settle it. Uh, But the other part of this is Mario Cristobal, he can afford to take his time. They can afford to reassess week over week, month over month. When I look at Michigan and I look at Jim Harbaugh, we got to ask ourselves, yes, there's a lot of positive here. You got the quarterback of your future in there. You have gotten a lot faster on the perimeter at wide receiver. You just signed the best running back probably that you've signed there in Donovan Edwards. A lot of really good pieces. You have the offensive coordinator another year in that you wanted in Josh Gaddis. That's all great. You also have some very thin ice under very hot blades. How long do you have? And what do you value? What do you trust? Because when it comes time and you've got Cade McNamara, for example, and J.J. McCarthy and you're greaseboarding it, and you're coming out of a practice uh, second week of August, third week of August, you got a game coming up in less than 14 days, what do you value? Do you value the upside? Or do you understand, guys, we got to win now. And we got to go with the guy who gives us the best chance to win now instead of maybe at Oregon where if all things are equal, man, and you're looking at Brown versus Ty Thompson, I, I, I tend to believe that they're going to err on the side of future and Ty Thompson. So Those are very different situations that I think are going to be compared for broad strokes purposes. Uh, I expect both of those guys to end up winning those jobs. That's my feel. But that's just feel. There's no inside information to be had there right now. I dropped all my papers down here. So that's uh, that's the general feel on those quarterback battles right now. Another thing I wanted to talk about as we kind of move on, uh, there's a lot going on right now in the world of recruiting, period. But the state of Florida... State of Florida is always a very hotly contested recruiting ground. The coaching scene in Florida, that's always what people are looking at. Like when Urban Meyer came down to Florida, he turned the entire sport on its ear. The SEC, the sport, but he turned the Florida recruiting scene on its ear too. So you watch guys come and go and everybody fears having a great recruiter at Florida or Florida State or Miami. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone other than the folks at those programs. Well, right now, The scene in Florida is pretty interesting. So on 247sports.com the other day, they asked all of the experts, both regional and local, let's rank the best head coaches as recruiters in the state. All of the FBS guys. So here are the names. And here's what I want you to do, because I played this game too. Think about the names I'm about to list. And I want you, if you want to, you can hit pause, whether you're listening to the podcast or watching the, the show or you can't do it live. But if you're watching the replay, think about these names and try and rank them real time in your head. Best recruiters. You're calibrating all this. Okay. We understand the head coach at FIU is not going to recruit heads up against the head coach at Florida. But when all factors are taken into consideration, you've got Dan Mullen at Florida. You got Mike Norvell at Florida State, Manny Diaz at Miami. Okay. Then you've got Butch Davis, our guy Butch Davis down at Florida International. Jeff Scott is at South Florida. You've also got Gus Malzahn, just came in the door about five minutes ago at at UCF. And then over at FAU, you got Willie Taggart. How would you rank those guys? 
Okay, because we did it over at 247sports.com. I didn't vote here. I'm going to tell you how I would have voted in a second. But how about this? Manny Diaz, sort of a runaway, number one. The list, here are the rankings, by the way, if you're listening on podcast form. It was Manny Diaz, number one at Miami. Gus Malzahn, ranked number two head coach recruiter in the state of Florida at Central Florida. Dan Mullen checked in at number three. Mike Norvell checked in at number four. And then it was Willie Taggart at FAU, Jeff Scott at USF, and Butch Davis at FIU. All right. What do you think about that? You can let me know in the comments below. Here are a few of the bones that I wanted to pick. I want to address number seven first. It hurts me. It hurts me to see Butch Davis down at number seven, knowing his history, knowing what he built at Miami before Mr. Coker ultimately walked in and took that job and reaped a lot of the benefits of that. But also looking at what he did when he was at North Carolina, the guy can recruit. The guy is world renowned. He's done it year over year over year. So I don't know where he should be ranked here. I don't think he should be seventh. Let me circle back to that. Also, Jeff Scott, they had him ranked uh, sixth out of seven. Jeff Scott is a lot better than that. You're not going to see it. Again, he's not going to put a class together at the University of South Florida that rivals what Mike Norvell is able to do or Manny Diaz is able to do. Jeff Scott would be a superstar as a recruiter if he were the head coach at either of those programs. I don't know what kind of coach he would be, and he's a brand new head coach. So he'll have time. Like His day will probably come, but Jeff Scott, you watch, look at his body of work at Clemson. I don't think it was just the tiger paw bringing a lot of those guys in there. Jeff Scott's a very good recruiter. The other thing, I I look at him, Jeff Scott, in comparison to Gus Malzahn. I I don't think Gus Malzahn, I just got to be honest with you, I would not take Gus Malzahn. If you're telling me find the best recruiter, I wouldn't take him over Jeff Scott. Malzahn was ranked second. Scott was ranked sixth. That's just my feeling on that. Now, here's the pushback that you could give me. They they did it. Chris Hummer compiled a very good article with a lot of quotes and a lot of feedback from the guys who voted on this. You can easily push back on this. You can tell me, for example, well, Gus Malzahn, I mean, he never finished lower than 12th in the 24-7 sports team rankings from 2013 through 2020 at Auburn. His last class, that was the year he got fired. Yeah, that is what it is. But outside of that, always in the top, top 12 any given year. That's true. That is true. Uh, The votes on Malzahn, I think, tell the story, though. There was a first place vote for Gus Malzahn. There was a sixth place vote for Gus Malzahn. So there's a lot of feel that maybe Auburn sells itself to a certain extent. And Gus Malzahn did not achieve very far above and beyond what the average recruiter would have done at Auburn. Let's put it that way. I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment. I did not very often see Gus Malzahn go up against Kirby head-to-head, Saban head-to-head, Jimbo head-to-head, and win a lot of big-time recruiting battles. When's the last time you watched Auburn go head-to-head against Dabo and win a recruiting battle? I'm not saying it hasn't ever happened. I'm saying it wasn't very often that that was happening. So I don't know necessarily that I agree with Malzahn being quite this lofty, uh, but, you know, it's also a situation, if you're a Central Florida fan, you also know good and well Josh Heupel didn't light the world on fire down there either. In fact, Josh Heupel was never ranked that highly when these guys had done this previously. So I could say that about Malzahn and also in the same breath say, but yeah, there's nowhere to go but up. I mean, it, he's going to probably do better than Josh Heupel had done there. Norvell was ranked, where was he? He was fourth. Mike Norvell at Florida State, fourth. No one has any clue what to know, what to expect, rather. And no one really knows what you're going to get from Norvell because he came in from Memphis. So there's nowhere to properly gauge how he's going to be as a recruiter at Florida State. But here's the other thing. I mean, if you're paying attention, you already know this. 
We haven't really gotten to see Mike Norvell, the, the classical recruiter yet, because they've had to hit up the transfer portal so heavily. They, they've kind of done some of the same things that Florida has done, only Florida and Dan Mullen are doing it out of choice, and whereas Mike Norvell feels like he's doing it out of desperation and necessity. And so you could make the argument with Dan Mullen at three and Mike Norvell at four, you can make the argument both of those guys position themselves to potentially be able to surge in this ranking next year, the year after that, for different reasons, though, because I'm a big believer, and I think these guys uh, will probably do this in the coming years, too. I'm a believer that you have to blend the philosophies in recruiting of high school and transfer portal. Now, whether you choose to use the transfer portal a lot, that's up to you. Dan Mullen in Florida are going to very liberally leverage the transfer portal. I think that's becoming obvious. Mike Norvell, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But I think right now, we don't know about Dan Mullen just because You know, we figured him out as a high school recruiter. We don't know if this is going to be a yearly thing. They're going to be able to get elite guys year over year out of the transfer portal. But with Mike Norvell, we just don't know if this is really what he wants to do. We haven't seen him stack a class of 23 or 24 high school recruits. And when we finally see that, you'll probably be able to get a lot better gauge on how good Mike Norvell is relative to the rest of the pack here. But hey, Butch Davis, I told you I didn't like seeing him at number seven. It should be noted he did get a first place vote. So I work here. I got some friends who were on this panel and uh, I'm not above slipping a 20 to find out who voted Butch first and then slipping another 20 to buy them lunch because that's just the kind of guy I am. Speaking of recruiting, we roll on. There has been a recruiting theme so far in everything we've talked about in the show. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Texas recruiting scene in 2022 is going to be a straight-up knife fight, virtually, of course, but a straight-up knife fight. There are so many good players out here. How many? Because you may think, oh, Texas is loaded every year. Well, to varying degrees, that's true. I'm about to drop some numbers on you that are going to blow your mind. Uh, it it always is. Kind of, that's what people say. Anytime you say it's a great year in Texas or a great year in Georgia, it always is. Well, yes, but we're speaking relative to the backdrop of Texas recruiting. So we're not comparing it to what Connecticut has to offer this year. No disrespect. But the rankings update happened Wednesday. So yesterday we had the 2022 cycle, the latest rankings updates. There was a lot of movement. There was a lot of chatter. And so a lot of people quickly looked and said, oh my goodness, what is happening in Texas? I think Chris Hummer Uh, Second shout out for Hummer tonight on the show. I think he did a quick hit on what we're looking at, historically speaking, what we're looking at in the state of Texas. So I got some numbers here for you. This is mind-blowing. If you follow recruiting or if you don't, these numbers are going to tell the tale for you. There are 35 players in the state of Texas for the 2022 recruiting cycle 
ranked in the top 247. So that's 14.2% of the overall top 247 being from that state. Now you may think, okay, that sounds like it may be normal. I have no basis for comparison. Um, it's really high. In fact, that's about the highest it's been in the last decade, any given year. But that's not really where the meat is. The true meat can be found in the following two statistics. There are 20 players from the state of Texas in the top 100. One out of every five. Mind-blowing. That's crazy. And also, they have nine of the top 32. Now, why is that important? Well, when the rankings get filled out at 24-7 Sports, we're going to have 32 five-star players. It's used to mirror the NFL draft. Think about that process whatever you want to. I don't really care for the purposes of this show. There are going to be 32 five-star players. Nine out of the top 32 right now are from the state of Texas. So you may think to yourself, okay, but I don't pay attention to this stuff really hardcore year over year. So I don't know how to process that. Here's how to process it. So Texas has 20 players ranked in the top 100. Average would be about 13 to 13 and a half per year. They have nine guys ranked in the top 32. Average would be about four. So they're, they're far above and beyond exceeding what really they do normally. But also, when you look at that top 20 number, when you look at that five-star number, top 32, it's unprecedented. We have not seen a class like this in the state of Texas. So here comes the million-dollar question, of course. We all know synonymous with Texas recruiting is going to be the University of Texas. And synonymous with that is going to be the question, what is Steve Sarkeesian going to do about this? What are the Texas Longhorns going to do about this? Now, there hasn't been any drought in recruiting out there to begin with. Lack of overall personnel, that was never really the issue at Texas. Um, maximizing the potential and squeezing every drop of potential out of that roster, yeah, that was a different story. And that's why we have a new head coach at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. But I know a lot of people are going to put that on the headline. That is a very valid question. But my mind does not just go to Texas versus Texas A&M or Texas versus OU or, or even OU versus A&M, which I would argue is the hottest recruiting battle out in that portion of the country right now. Hopefully the Longhorns for their sake can change that. But that's not immediately where my mind goes. I'm looking at Texas versus Alabama. I'm looking at A&M versus Ohio State. Like you, you got to ask yourself first and foremost, before you start to divvy up the lion's share of that talent in state, you got to make sure the door is shut. You got to make sure Ryan Day and Nick Saban don't keep feeling totally free and easy coming into your state and taking talent out of it. it it's happening every year. And I'm not talking about some guys that are, you know, low to mid four star type guys. I'm talking about the best of the best in many cases leaving the state of Texas. Now, speaking of Nick Saban, when I think about what Steve Sarkeesian has the chance to do here, and I think about what they have the chance and, and the opportunity that they've inherited to take advantage of in the 2022 cycle, I think back to Saban's first full year at Alabama. His first full recruiting cycle was that 08 class. And he was very fortunate that he took the job when he did because the state of Alabama was loaded. It was one of the best in-state crops of talent that the Alabama recruiting scene had seen in quite a while. He landed in that first full class that went on to, I think, be the top-rated class in the country, and it went on to pave the road for eventual championship teams really one year later. How about these names? Julio Jones was in that class. He was a young man out of Foley High School. Robert Lester was a four-star safety that ended up starting for him out of Foley. Those, both of those guys came from the same high school. Marcel Darius 
ended up being a first-round draft pick. Mark Barron ended up being a first-round draft pick. Courtney Upshaw was in this class. B.J. Scott was a guy that never really panned out, but he was ranked five stars in that class. B.J. Scott was one of the first dominoes. I was listening to, I think it was it was Tim Watts and Travis Ryer over on the Built by Bama Online podcast. It's a really good one for you Bama fans. But they are doing something right now. They're doing a series where they sort of go back and they just recap all the past recruiting classes. It's a really fun exercise, especially for for Alabama folks, for obvious reasons. They were talking about that 08 class and how important that early domino of B.J. Scott was because it, it was not cool to commit to Alabama at that point. It was it was far more cool if you go out west to USC or you go play for Urban at Florida. I mean, Alabama, that's a 70s program. Well, all of a sudden... You got B.J. Scott and Julio Jones and Mark Barron and Courtney Upshaw and Marcel Darius. They just start knocking those dominoes down. Well, it was like a floodgate opening, obviously, for Nick Saban. But that class, when they opened against Clemson that fall, so many of those guys were either on the field starting or on the field on special teams. I was there. I was in the building that night. They played them in Atlanta. And it was there was such a precursor. It was so glaring. It just slapped you in the face of, wow. Like a lot of those freshmen, a lot of these 17 and 18 year olds on the field look better than three or four year starters. This is changing. It's going to change really quick. And it did change really quick. So outside of Texas, University of Texas A&M is sitting here well positioned. Texas hopes to fit that Bama mold of capitalizing in their first full year as a coaching staff on a great in-state crop of talent. That's the kind of way that you redefine a program. I mean, that's the kind of way a decade from now, if things have worked out for Texas, you're you're telling the story to, you know, the kids who were too young to remember, you know, in that 2022 cycle. You may not remember this, little junior, but there were so many good players in this state. And this guy and this guy and that guy and that guy, we all got them. Everywhere from, from Odessa to Tyler to San Antonio, down to Brownsville and everywhere in between. We got those guys. And they built a culture. They built a foundation. And here's what's important. We built a foundation for the future of this program on in-state guys, which is the way it should be. It's the way it's always been done here when we've when we run this program the right way. They got a chance to tell that story at Texas. They got a chance to tell that story at Texas A&M. But I'm telling you right now, Lincoln Riley is drooling all over himself. Ryan Day, Nick Saban drooling all over themselves because they look and they say, I got just as much right to be in here and take these guys as you do. And you know what? They're absolutely right. So Texas recruiting 2022. If you've just been a casual fan of the recruiting game and you're looking to dive in, if you want one storyline to follow, follow that 2022 Texas class. It's going to be really fun this year. I want to wrap it up here with some things that Debo Swinney said. It's really hard to have a rational conversation about Debo Swinney and Clemson these days. Everyone is entrenched in their view. It's growing, t- it's growing harder and harder to say, hey, all right, just forget what you think about the guy. Let's make a case-by-case judgment. So, for instance, right now, I told you that was coming, by the way. A couple of years ago, I told you no one's darling lasts forever in sports. This is a build them up to tear them down mentality. It's a build them up to tear them down society. College football is no different. And so Dabo, he was like your little wrestling buddy in 2015, and now you're slamming your wrestling buddy. For what reason? I don't know. Each one of you have your own reasons. Others of you love Dabo Swinney. I just go case by case on Dabo like I pretty much do with everyone else. But he had some really good thoughts yesterday, which was Wednesday on the transfer portal. Now, the Clemson model has been that they don't take transfers. That's what he's done. It's not a Clemson rule. It's not like a university bylaw. That's just the way that Dabo has chosen to run his program. And so 
right now, a lot's changing. He feels the sand sort of shifting under his feet. And a lot of people around the Clemson beat, for example, they've been talking about this. I've been curious about this. As you see the proliferation of the transfer portal, you start to ask yourself, hmm, teams that Dabo has to play are taking advantage of this. And we're also seeing what Florida's done. We're seeing what Norvell, out of maybe desperation in Tallahassee, is having to do. But I wonder, you know, Alabama's in it for Henry Toa Toa. We may see other big-time programs that really don't have to make a move, make moves just because they can. I wonder if Clemson's going to do that. Well, that's valid. I think it's very valid to ask that question. Dabo was asked that question on Wednesday. And I'm going to paraphrase the quote, basically, because I don't have time to read the whole thing. You can go find it. There's an article probably on the 24-7 Sports main page or the Clemson website right now. But, you know, he was asked, what do you think about this? Is your policy going to change? And that no transfers policy is something that I think he's going to be addressing a lot in the coming, maybe coming months, but coming years. And I've wondered, along with the rest of you, how they're going to handle that. So Dabo said, we haven't changed anything. The sport has changed. We haven't changed anything. Our surroundings are changing. The rules are changing. Different things are happening now that maybe we didn't have to deal with in the past. But the way that we evaluate is not going to change. And what he said is, we are a developmental program. We try and run things a lot like the NFL. Um, It's not a draft. It's a recruiting process. So you are selecting your players, obviously, in a different manner. But we try and bring guys in here. We try and develop them. And we do something here unique unto the rest of the sport. You know, that's the way you should always think about your program, Clemson or otherwise. Uh, and, And what he said is, he said... If things change around us, then that's fine, and we would be stupid to put on blinders and not know what's going on out there, but at the same time, nothing about what the transfer portal is now is going to change what Clemson football is. It's a really good take. It was a lot more in-depth than that. He went a lot longer than that, but here's what he didn't say. Here's what I mainly want you to take away. What he didn't say is, we're never going to take a transfer. You'll probably hear some people mischaracterize him by saying that. Never said we're not going to take transfers. In fact, he kind of expressed the sentiment of, if the time comes, you know, where we get through spring football and we've got two or three guys leave and it it, it presents a glaring hole on our roster, then you know what we're probably going to have to do? We're probably going to have to go get a transfer. And if you were to ask me the question, you think Dabo's ever going to take a transfer? Yeah, yeah, they're going to end up taking one. It's not a source of pride. You know, it's not... It's not going to be some situation where you have violated your principles and morals and and ethical compass. They're going to take one at some point. They don't want to. That's the difference. They, they, They can if they need to, but they don't really want to. All he articulated, he being Debo Swinney, all he articulated was what pretty much every head coach feels, maybe with a few exceptions. This is what they all feel. They all fancy themselves as an operation that can recruit at a high level, and can develop. They take a lot of pride in development. At the big boy programs especially, I mean, that's what they pitch. That's that's everything about them. They have no reason not to be able to develop you. They should. That's the hallmark. It's a developmental sport. So if you're going to be one of the best in the sport that is a developmental sport, you by necessity have to be a developmental program. Well, here's the mindset. If you're doing that the right way, if you're recruiting the right guys, and you're developing them, you shouldn't have a ton of holes on your roster. Here's where Dabo Swinney's smart enough to look, and here's where a lot of other coaches are looking and realizing things are changing. There is a trap door under your roster that has been built really only in the last couple of years. It's a different kind of trap door, and it's not that transfers were never possible, but it's a different kind of trap door now. 
And that trapdoor exists in a couple of different portions of the calendar. One is right after your season is over, where you have guys, let's say Demarcus Bowman, for example, who left Clemson. You could have guys leave then. But what he talked about, what Dabo talked about is, and here's the one that's really dangerous, at the end of spring practice, so you get into April and May, and guys have gone through spring, and they realize where they are on the depth chart, and they've looked around at all these other great players you have here, and they don't think that they're going to be able to play. Then if guys leave, what do you do? It's like he said, actually, earlier yesterday, he said, when a guy leaves in May, we can't just go recruit another guy and get him here in the fall. So at that point, that's maybe when you have to resort to going to the transfer portal. Again, it's not that you want to, it's just that you may have to. So I'm interested to watch this because here's what I think. I think if we'll just leave this stuff alone, I know that's a that's a very, very rarely shared opinion these days. Everything needs to be fixed every moment in time. If we'll just leave this alone, there are going to be some tough lessons learned. A lot of people are worried right now about how many guys are in the transfer portal. You should be worried about it. It's not a good thing to see that many guys in the portal. Here's what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to be some tough lessons learned. Some guys are going to have to, and maybe you're a freshman in high school right now, a sophomore in high school, you're going to have to watch a few of these cycles play out and all these guys go in the portal, not find a landing spot and end up being screwed. It's tough. I hate that it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. You just need to let nature play itself out. And hard lessons will be learned. And then three years from now, if you're a head coach with five guys on your roster on the fence about entering the portal, you can you can put that data in front of them. And you can say, look, here it's happening every year. Mike, Jeff, Steve, it's happening every year. You got every right to go in the portal. I can't stand in your way. I wouldn't even if I could. But I really want you to think about this because all these other hundreds and hundreds of guys, they thought it was for the best too. And they ended up, not finding a landing spot, let it work itself out. But on the other end, on the university end, on the program end, on the head coach's end, they're also going to watch this. And I wouldn't doubt that Dabo Swinney is probably thinking about this in a lot more fluid context than maybe even some Clemson fans or people who, who follow that program who may have watched what they do in the past and speak in absolutes. You can't afford to do it right now. You can't afford to speak in absolute truths in the future. Because by the very nature of your surroundings changing, you have to change. I mean, I can have a coat on. Well, if I walk in a room that's 95 degrees, what, what do I just keep the coat on because I walked in wearing it? Or do I realize, man, I'm losing like five pounds of, of body weight per hour here through sweat. I need to take this jacket off. There's nothing wrong with taking the jacket off. There's nothing wrong with taking transfers. As long as in Dabo Swinney's case, for example, as long as he understands that's always the rare, rare exception to our Clemson rule, uh, that's the same way Bama's going to be. I think it's the same way that a lot of the major programs are going to be. They'll be fine. You'll be fine. The transfer portal scene will eventually be fine. We'll all be fine. Everything will work itself out. All right, that's a wrap here. Uh, remember, follow me on Twitter at LateKickJosh. Also remember, so we have created sort of our fictitious university name to use on the show. In lieu of just picking a random school, which always happens to be Kent State here, we have created Pate State University. We are in the process of crowdsourcing the mascot and the battle cry for Pate State. I got my favorites out there. There have been dozens, I, I would say at this point hundreds, at least dozens and dozens to hundreds of submissions. We got some good ones. A lot of them are storm chasing related. A lot of them are train related. Here's what we want. We want Pate State fill in the blank. Give me a mascot name and give me a battle cry. Uh, it, it Just think 
in terms of merchandising, in terms of a helmet sticker, we got to have this look good. We can't put our stuff in the space and look like losers. We don't want that. So we got to make Pate State stand out. We got to get some five stars in here. So be on the lookout in your own mind. Uh, draw inspiration from wherever you want. You can hit me on Twitter at LateKickJosh. You can email me, joshpate706 at gmail.com. We're looking for those ideas. Also, Zoom consultation sessions still open. If you want to talk about career, if you want to talk about how to start a YouTube channel, podcast, whatever you want to talk. I had a guy talk Big Ten football with me for an hour the other day. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm there for you. JoshPate706 at gmail.com. Again, thanks to our buddy Tyler Redman from On Deck with Tyler Redman. Link. To his channel in the description below. Make sure you subscribe for letting us use his place of business here. It's a, it's kind of like a, a serial killer's den of, of pro wrestling and baseball memorabilia. Um, you know what? Statute of limitations probably not up there. So no further details there. But thank you to him. Thank you to you for joining. And thank you to our team both here in Nashville. Well, they're in Nashville and they're in Connecticut for cutting the show up as I've been on the road. From me to you, have a great rest of your weekend. Take care and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.